Taylor Walker from the Abbey Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giants. It's Brad Ever from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, you with MJ, and welcome to the number five of the 50 most relevant countdown for 2019 as we talk Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy. On the journey of discovering who I believe is the most relevant player in 2019. The number five player, Sydney defender Jake Lloyd. Joining me to talk about him, I've got Ben. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well, mate. Can't believe we're up to number five already. Man, it's gone really, really quick. It feels like just an eternity ago that we were talking about Harley Bennell. (sighs) If only we had our time back on that one. Hey, look, 25 years old is this Sydney Swan defender. And man, does this kid just go as a fantasy premium for us. 163 was his highest AFL fantasy and dream team score last year. That was against the Fremantle Football Club. His seasonal average in AFL fantasy was a 101.6. And in AFL fantasy, he's going to set you back just over $730,000 and a little bit less than that in AFL dream team. For Supercoach, he's going to cost you $608,200, a seasonal average of 112, and his best game also came against the Dockers. It was a 173. Ben, when we talk about Jake Lloyd, he's one of the league's most underrated and consistent players in the league, especially as a defender. He's this gut runner who's got, you know, really nice outside use of the disposals and really does complement a Sydney midfield that has plenty of grunt, but sometimes can lack on the outside of the contest. And these teammates just love to get the ball into his hands, whether it be rebounding outside of defensive 50 or even linking up and and commencing those forward waves of of the Swans' attack. He's just one of those fantastic players that complements the Swans so well. Absolutely. He's almost a prototype um, halfback rebounder. Mm. He's just... He's got a bit of speed about him. He's got a long, penetrating kick. He's normally quite intelligent with his ball use. He rarely makes like shocking errors, um, yeah. especially his decision-making. Sometimes his, his foot skills can lead, lead him astray, but decision-making is always pretty good. So, look, I think Sydney found, found someone three or four years ago that really they became so reliant on, and it, it's really hard to see that change in 2019. I mean, you know... Everyone needs sort of a, a defensive rebounder, but I think if anyone in the league was was trying to pick one right now, it would be hard to go past Jake Lloyd as your first pick. He's uh he's just become ever so consistent, and you know we're looking at his durability record in the just prior to, to coming live, and you know he's missed three games in four years, so he's he's really been the real deal. Yeah, certainly has. Look, 2018 wasn't his only strong fantasy year. I do want to talk about that in a moment. But in 2017, he averaged 92 in AFL fantasy, eight tons across the season. While in Supercoach, it was a seasonal average of 87 and six tons that year. And while these averages are are actually really quite strong as they are, they don't give you a full reflection of his year because in round 10, uh, in the opening minutes of that matchup, he was concussed. And I think he scored a two in Dream Team and a a four in Supercoach. So his real full games healthy average removing that injury impact a game was a 96 in AFL Fantasy and a, and a 91 in Supercoach you take that coming into the 2018 season he ended up leading the club uh, for the highest average disposals led the club for rebound 50s 
and tallied 30-plus possessions eight times throughout the season, and he went at a disposal efficiency of 79%. And that's where one of the areas he increased his fantasy output last year. He did marginally increase a little bit on his marks per game on average. It was still less than one. But it was the fact that he increased his use of the ball by foot, picking up more uncontested possession, being primarily more and more used by the Swans, like we said at the top of the podcast, either as that rebounding player out of 50 or as the kind of guy they would use to transition the football from wing to wing to kind of open up the forward line. From a fantasy perspective last year in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, 11 tons, nine of those were over 110. While in Supercoach, even better, 14 tons, 12 of them over 120. And these are just elite scoring numbers almost for a midfielder, yet we're really lucky, Ben, we're getting this as a defender. Yep, no, it's all it's all pretty good. I mean that that super coach average is just outrageous. 112, you know, Fremantle game, 173 points. Imagine, imagine you don't have him that week. It would be very, very painful. And you know, he, he's the type of guy that on any given week you don't know if he's going to go huge. And that that back half of the year, as you spoke about MJ, was just absolutely outrageous. I mean, one one score under 100 post the buy in super coach was. So many scores over 130. It's just absolute insanity. He really did finish the season with a wet flag. Um, so I guess, I guess probably one of the question marks we come to, especially in Supercoach where that average is so high, is can he can he sustain that? But I guess, I guess in the same breath, there's a, a reason to think that he might actually increase in average. And that's something that we've spoken about a lot um, with, say, someone like James Sicily is the, the kicking points that, you know, he, he is the primary kick and taker at the Sydney Swans, and I think he's going to have to play on even more than he did last year. So there might be sort of a, a very natural uh, growth in his potential points just simply through that avenue. Well, you're right. He took a, a, around about maybe a fraction more of 50% of the Sydney Swans kick-ins last year, and he chose to play on about one in every three of those. Of course, now with the new uh, scoring uh, rules are dictated by champion data. If a player handballs the ball at any point from kick-in, that counts as a disposal by hand. Uh, and once they're fully outside of the goal square, then the kick will count towards their disposal tally. They do not need to kick it themselves. They can just run out and go. And while it's very, very small data, when we've seen them use it at the uh, lower levels, predominantly in the waffle, um, and even to a lesser extent to the AFLW, um, we are seeing more often than not sides look to gain some territory by foot before disposing of the ball and not being limited to the goal square, which only bodes well um, for someone like Jake Lloyd, who is clearly their preferred kick-in player to the play of field. Um, I, before we talk about some of the impact that could have on his scoring, both the positive and negative, it is fair to look at how he ended last year. I, I, you picked up on a really interesting point there because between round one and seven last year, he averaged 88 in AFL Fantasy and 89 in Supercoach. So solid enough, but certainly nowhere near what he ended up delivering. But from round eight until season's end, um, he averaged 122 in Supercoach and 107 in AFL Fantasy during those 15-week period. And and so even there, there's a little bit of um, scoring bump compared to what he's priced at. And then what most fantasy uh, football coaches should be rightly anticipating is these new kick-in rules, increasing his scoring capacity, 
But I suppose as these kick-in and play-on rules kind of come in, we may not see, Ben, as many of those 15, 20-meter kicks to the boundary line as sides look to quickly move the ball out from the goal square. So it may more balance out rather than drastically boost his scoring to another level. Yeah, it's it's going to be obviously very, very interesting to see how it plays out. And it does come down to game style. So, I mean, I, I'm looking at that that back end to the season. I'm thinking, well, obviously, James, uh, Jake Lloyd was in quite a bit of form, but also that Sydney must have changed their their ball movement style a little bit in the back half. Oh. Um, so whether that probably, inc- you know, possibly came with an increase in disposals or, you know, appearing to, to look for the best possible option rather than move the ball a little bit faster. So there are so many different criteria and different tactical innovations that might um, have seen an increase or can see a decrease. You know, it, like you said, you see that first half of the season where he's, he's going at a much more sort of average rate consistent with his career averages. Um, when it comes to the kicking, you know, possibly we are going to see a few more longer kicks, but then some teams are going to think, well, we're actually not going to kick in. We're not going to um, play on with a kick in too much, and we're going to try and find that short chip, you know, quite often. So it it is so hard for us to predict, especially without having really seen it. Um, I mean, we can watch the... I, I know they trailed it a little bit at the... Uh, senior competitions in 2018 I know that they're doing it with the women's game now but it's it's really not representative um of what is going to happen in the AFL so yeah and I think I think a likely the way my sort of um hypothesis is leaning at the moment is that if the defense is set that they're probably going to look to to go long um therefore we're going to see a play on we're going to see less chip mark in the heart in the defensive half yeah Having said that, if if they do actually get a mark out of that play, then you might see a bit of um, a slower type play with some potential chip mark. Mm. But on the other end, if the, the defense isn't set, which can happen quite often if there's a quick... Uh, quick transition, you know, a quick, yeah. Absolutely, quick point or whatever, then there might be some chip and not necessarily will there be a play on from the kick-in, but there might be some chip marks. So look at... It's it's going to be extraordinarily interesting to see how it goes, um, and it's so hard for us to even quantify unless you had really good data captured very very well. You you would be able to tell how many times did Jake Lloyd benefit from mm. that chip mark inside the the defensive fifty. But I mean, at the end of the day, he might he might drop a couple of points from those. He might pick it up a little bit with the kick-ins. Um, Given the data that we have, unless you you literally work for champion data, I don't think you're going to get that data anywhere else. So, um, with the knowledge that we have, I think you know if anything, it possibly will be beneficial to Jack Lloyd. Yeah, look, I, I can't see a world, and you know, injury um, otherwise, um, where he's going to drop away um, even substantially, let alone drastically, from the price point he's got. You do even look at, you know, the the correlation between when the big scoring kick in happened for him, as opposed to when Callum Mills went out. There were still those games in round eight and nine that Mills was playing, and he went one twenty and one sixty three in Dream Team and Fantasy, one thirty one seventy three in Supercoach. So I, I don't think it's as simple as Mills got injured so Lloyd went bananas I I agree with you I I think Lloyd's gonna 
stay there and thereabouts, if not marginally increase on the seasonal scoring of what he delivered for us in 2018, bringing that into 2019. And as such, putting him as one of, if not the best defensive premium for us, kind of across all formats. If he's not number one, uh, gosh, it, it's I can't see how he's not in the top three, but I think he's a prime candidate to be the number one defender. Yeah, and that's that's sort of where you come to at the end of this discussion is we're looking at who to start in our teams come round one. We're looking at upgrade targets. And generally speaking, a lot of coaches seem to prefer to get the, the guys that they think are going to be in that top two to three at the end of the season. Start mm. with those guys and then build out from there. And that's, that's where I've kind of landed with Jake Lloyd. I, I really believe that he will be in the top three defenders at the very least. And um, because of that, I think, well, you know, I'd rather have him from the start. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that he's going to drop too much in price, at least not in comparison to some of the other defenders. Um, and you, you're getting someone that you've just got complete faith in durability-wise. That's a really big one. So he does just t- tick a lot of boxes. He's mm. been building year on year as well. So he... He might just have some natural growth, you know. It's it's quite possible that he's he's still such a young guy. He's, yeah. What is he now? Is he he's coming into his sixth season of senior footy? So, I mean, he must be about twenty four, twenty five. Yeah, he's um, only in his mid twenties. Yep. Yeah. And so, there's a there's a lot of things to get excited about with him, and um, yeah, it w- it would be very hard to see how he would drop. I mean, he hasn't really been tagged, but he's like we sort of alluded to. Sometimes his ball use can be a little bit questionable and, and there are so many great, you know, Sydney players running through that midfield that potentially you're looking to a little bit more. To, it has been more common. Um, we were speaking about Sicily about a week ago. It's been much more common to tag someone in the midfield than in defence um, for reason, largely tactical reasons. I think sometimes, you know, you can really take away from your forward setup if you have a focus to just sitting on one guy. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't. I wouldn't be too um, too concerned about potential forward tags. And nah. given that, I mean Sydney Sydney want the ball in his hands. So it yeah it becomes a um, an algorithm for a lot of points to be scored in in 2019. Yeah, it certainly does. Look, it sounds like you and myself and and a large portion of the fantasy footy community going to have Jake Lloyd locked in at either D1 or D2. Uh, for uh, most of the season and certainly as a starting squad option. So let's talk about where he goes in drafts. I, I think there's a there's a pretty clear-cut top three um, in, in all formats. Um, you could probably build the case pretty easily in most drafts, rightly or wrongly. Um, we're seeing Dangerfield, Grundy and McRae generally being the first three off the draft board in which order depends on formats, personal preferences, things like that. But in any kind of format after that, Supercoach, Dream Team, Fantasy, Ultimate Footy, whatever it is you choose to draft with, from pick four onwards in that opening round, it's fair game to go and get Jake Lloyd because we are seeing with so many um, strong midfield options this year, so much value midfielders that are capable of going 100-plus. If we could get ourselves a 110 defender, man, that's going to give us a great leg up on everything else because he's generally in a lot of mock kind of drafts at the moment, going from pick four to about pick nine across most formats. Yep, absolutely. He will be gone in the first round, so you can pretty well mark that down with absolute certainty, especially Supercoach. I mean, he's going to be going really early, so 
Look, I would I would be a little bit more comfortable taking him to the back of the first round, like round um, like seven and eight kind of selection. Yeah, okay. seven, eight, even nine. Just other few other few guys that I think um, I would have ahead of him. But having said that, you know, I the thing with um, the defenders, and we could we kind of touched on this a little while ago, is that there are a, a couple of guys that might prove value that have been dropping in the. Um, the draft doctor's mock draft, which mm-hmm. I think might be something that kind of go off. So whether that be someone like a potentially he Shaw that gets a few more kick-ins or a Callum Mills moves into midfield sure. or X Y Z, you know we've had we have so many uh, so many defenders that we've spoken about even during these podcasts, whether it be like a Dylan Robertson, for mm. instance. So um, there might be just that weight it potentially get a few 90 defenders without paying up and maybe getting that 110 set for instance someone who i think has been dropping a little bit has been max gorn yeah Um, so i would i would definitely be taking max gorn personally ahead of ahead of uh jake lloyd but look at at the end of the day with with these really early picks it probably does come down to personal preference so yeah I couldn't write down a list and tell you with absolute certainty that you know Max Gorn is going to be better than Jake Lloyd or X Y Z. So, look, if you're taking Jake Lloyd fourth to you know very late first round, you are, you're doing very well. It's certainly not a bad pick by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, you don't you don't lose your draft based on taking you know those first two or three round selections when you're picking guys that are a likely top two, top three, you know, in their scoring line for the year. injury, of course. Yeah. Um, preventing that from changing for them. Where you win your draft is the, what you do from kind of rounds 10 through to 20, depending, again, how deep your league is, coaches, things like that. It's nailing those kind of speculative selections and getting premium out, output and outturn. That's where you're going to win your draft as well as, you know, wise trades, good waiver wire usage. You know, what you do in your first two or three rounds is, is as you've said, Yes, picking who you think are the best players, but you're probably not going to lose your draft just because of that, unless injury stops yeah. you. And and just on that point, though, you're you're also kind of thinking along the lines of so, say for instance with uh with the rocks, I'm thinking along the lines of do I see anyone that can per, that can match a Brody Grundy? Mm. Do I see anyone that can potentially match a Max Gorn? Um, look, I don't see anyone that can really match a Jake Lloyd outside of a, a couple of defenders that are going to be going in the first round anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, the the possibility is that someone gets a bit closer to him than someone does to one of those Ruckman. Sure. Um, so that's that's kind of the way that I, I think about it. But yeah, like you said, you can't you can't really lose. The, something that's become so important has been the waiver wire use over the past few years. So Look, even if you you selected pretty average in the draft, if you pick up some, there's been, I mean, a few years back, Stefan Martin was sitting on the way. Yeah. So, you know, it, Lockie Hunter, Max Gorn, you know, these are all guys three years ago, you know, midway during a year, you were able to pick up off the waiver wire. So you're right, you know, smart coaches, you know, that don't waste their uh, waiver priorities. Uh, when they don't need to, that it can certainly be rewarded. I agree with you. And in a keeper league, um, existing, you're not getting him out of a coach. When you've got a guy that's capable of going 110 plus in super coach, 100 plus in dream team and fantasy as a defender and not losing that positional status anytime soon, in contrast to like a Lockie Whitfield, mid 20s, big ceiling, strong basement, you, you just hold it. Like it, you just don't even yeah. bother trying to get him out of his hands. The coach is just going to say no. Man, appreciate your thoughts today as we've talked about the number five player, Jake Lloyd.
no problem at all, mate. Um, good luck with the next four. Thank you, mate. If you want to go and check out the article on Jake or any of the other players in the 50 Most Relevant, it is at coachespanel.tv. You can keep listening to these podcasts and also others that are landing shortly via Spotify and iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed so that as soon as it drops, you get it straight to your handheld device. And if you are loving the podcast, we would appreciate it if you give a five-star rating and review. The top four players in my 50 Most Relevant now are just moments away from review and a massive fantasy footy name drops tomorrow.